Something to note, all myths have many versions and variations. For this episode, we've selected those we felt are the most dramatic and entertaining and supplemented them with additional research into Greek myths and traditions. Our myths may not always be the version you're familiar with, but we hope you'll enjoy them. Under a starry sky, a black-sailed ship rocked on turbulent waters. The ship was from Athens, and it was headed to the Isle of Crete. Below deck were seven male and seven female tributes, a yearly sacrifice to the terrifying monster known as the Minotaur. A lone young man stood on the deck, Theseus, the long-lost heir to Athens' throne. He had promised his father Aegeus that he would slay the beast and end the sacrifices, and now he prayed he'd have the strength to do so. He was so lost in thought that he barely saw a tribute named Leos climb up onto the deck. So that is Crete. That's where we're going to die. If you're going to be gloomy, go back and cry with the other tributes. Their weeping is too loud. I need a calmer place to panic. Have it your way, it matters not. King Minos will be the one panicking once I announce myself. Announce? Gods, you really haven't thought this through, Theseus. You are Aegeus' son, and Aegeus is responsible for the death of Minos' son. You must keep your identity a secret, or Minos will slay you on the spot. He can try, but I suppose you have a point. I'll keep my name a secret until I paint the battlefield red with the bull beast's blood. There won't be a battlefield. The Minotaur lives in the labyrinth. I know that. Although it's been a while. Remind me, the labyrinth is a... A maze. The largest maze there ever was. Built by Daedalus, the world's greatest inventor. Even if we did somehow avoid losing our heads to the Minotaur, we'd never escape it. Yes, we will. How can you be so blindly confident? It is my greatest weapon sharper than my father's sword and tougher than my fists. Maybe my confidence is blind, but I think it helps me see a better future. I wish I had a weapon like that. You do, Leos. Your worry is your weapon. Hearing you fret and fuss is like being stabbed by a thousand tiny knives over and over and over. So I'm an inconvenience. Yes, but in Crete, I'll need your obsessive mind to tell me things I don't know, and to help find our way out of the maze after I kill the beast. I will be Theseus the warrior, and you will be Leos the worrier. A perfect pair. The warrior and the worrier has a nice ring to it. Maybe you're right. Of course I am. We'll slay the Minotaur, return to Athens, and both be hailed as champions. Can you really promise that? Theseus nodded, and hope bloomed on Leos's face, but the smile was short-lived as it faded when he looked into the distance. Seven red-sailed ships sped from Crete, headed straight for them. Theseus and Leos took a deep breath as the warrior and the warrior prepared for the dangers ahead.
Welcome to Mythology, a Spotify original from Parcast. Every Tuesday, we present dramatic stories from ancient mythology and explore their origins. I'm your host and narrator, Vanessa Richardson. You can find all episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Today, we conclude the adventures of Theseus, heir to the throne of Athens. Last week, we followed Theseus as he made a name for himself as a hero and reunited with his long-lost father, Aegeus. This week, Theseus sails to the Isle of Crete and does battle with the monstrous Minotaur. Coming up, Theseus faces his enemy and meets a new friend. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like, what the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. Theseus felt the crunch of earth beneath his chained feet and heard the roar of a crowd, but he could not see as a cowl was over his head. He and the tributes had walked for what felt like hours, and poor Leos panted from exertion behind him. Theseus didn't know where they were being led, but he knew it was nowhere good. He wouldn't admit it to Leos, but part of him was almost excited. Then someone pulled the cowl off Theseus' head, and sunlight blinded him. Theseus was in the center of a massive arena where a crowd of thousands sat and cheered. Beside him were Leos and the other tributes, all of them chained together by their feet and guarded by King Minos' guards. Surrounding them were more prisoners of every size, shape, and color. Theseus wondered where these poor souls had come from and how long they'd been captives. They all looked far worse for wear than the tributes, except one. A young woman, her face half cloaked by a ragged scarf. She stood tall with more dignity than any other prisoner. Her superiority made Theseus curious. 
so curious that it was hard to turn away when Leos told him that Minos had arrived. A sinewy man strode into the arena, decked out in sumptuous robes. Though King Minos was older, he moved with youthful assurance. In his left hand was a sharp spear. In his right was a leash of golden rope, tied to the leg of his wife, Queen Pasiphae. She followed him, a rehearsed mask of indifference on her face. Theseus could feel malice radiating from this man, and charm, too. Mino spoke with the flair of a traveling bard, and his citizens ate up every second of it. Welcome, citizens of Crete, and honored tributes. I'm thrilled to see you've made it safely from Athens. The well-being of my prisoners is my top priority, as you can see from the wretched little army of captives you've joined. Amidst all the fun, let us remember that today is a day of mourning. Ten years ago, my brave Androgeus went to Athens to negotiate a treaty that would end our war. But when he got to the palace, Aegeus had him killed. Leos, is this true? Yes, but he skipped the part where Androgeus attacked your father first. I lost my son that day. But luckily, I have another. Adopted, of course, since my wife Pasiphae saw fit to betray me for the strange love of an enchanted bull. Minos yanked Queen Pasiphae's leash. The crowd jeered, and Pasiphae stumbled and turned away in shame. Theseus's heart ached in sympathy for the poor queen. Now be calm. Her sins are forgiven. For while her minotaur is a monstrosity, he is an effective killer, especially when he is hungry. And I can assure you all, he is absolutely starving for this year's tributes. A tribute threw himself down, begging for mercy. Minos winced at the noise and nodded to a guard, who silenced the boy by running a spear through his neck. The crowd went wild, driven into a bloodthirsty joy. The tributes trembled in fear, overwhelmed by the noise, until Theseus's voice boomed through the din. You monster! You need to stay quiet! I cannot. King Minos, you have killed almost a hundred Athenians to avenge your son. Isn't enough enough? It will never be enough! Androgeus was priceless. Judging from the stock he came from, I doubt that very much. Well, I see we've got mouthy tributes this year. Who are you? Don't tell him. Please, remember if that- If your little friend doesn't stop whispering, I'll tear the lips off his face. Now, you Athenian luck, tell me who you are. I am your undoing. <laughs> undoing? <laughs> I doubt that very much. Can you even spell the word? You underestimate my mind, as many have. But anyone who underestimates my strength has paid the price in blood. Just ask Sinees the Pinebender, or Procrustes the Stretcher. Oh wait, you cannot because I killed them. <laughs> very impressive. 
But if Aegeus wants to intimidate me, he's going to have to do better than a discount Heracles. Guards, take them. Feed the tributes one last meal and grant them a few hours rest. Tomorrow at dawn, they enter the labyrinth, where the Minotaur awaits. The guards prodded at the prisoners with their spears to guide them out of the arena. Most were terrified, but Theseus smiled and held his head high. Behind him, the cloaked female captive rushed along, one step ahead of the guard's spears. And now she was staring at Theseus with great interest. That night, the prisoners huddled in a damp dungeon beneath the palace. As water dripped down on them from cracks in the ceiling, they sipped bowls of foul gruel and contemplated the dark fate that awaited them. Theseus and Leos sat side by side. Leos had asked Theseus to tell him stories of his past triumphs in order to cheer him up, and his tales almost made Leos believe he could be a champion. Theseus was about to launch into another when the young woman from the arena crept up and put her hand on Theseus's arm. I apologize for being a bother, but I must speak with you. Theseus was intrigued, so he let her guide him into a quiet corner. She gripped his hand, and Theseus felt like she was staring directly into his soul. Who are you? No one, just a humble tribute. And you are? Xenia of Athens, one of the leftovers from last year. A leftover? I thought all Athenian tributes were killed by the beast. The men are, but sometimes women are spared for a different kind of torment. That changes now. I meant what I said to Minos. I will put an end to all of this. Sir... I can withstand King Minos's cruelty, but if there is one torture I can no longer bear, it is hope. Who are you to presume you can change my fate? Who I am is not important. What matters is what I will do. There was a man like you last year. He was taller and stronger, but he swore he would save us too. Before he could even enter the labyrinth, the guards took our so-called savior and beheaded him for his impudence. Then they lodged his skull on a spear and put on a puppet show for the king. I wish you hadn't told me that. But I am different, and I will prevail. What makes you so certain? It is my destiny. I am Theseus, son of Aegeus, blessed by the gods and sent here by my father to end King Minos's reign of terror. I swear to you that when I do, I will bring you home to Athens. Xenia's eyes widened with hope and wonder. She shook her head ashamed. I am so sorry. You have nothing to apologize for, sweet Xenia. I'm afraid that's not exactly true. Guards! Six guards stormed in, and to Theseus's amazement, they kneeled at Xenia's feet. She wiped her tears away and addressed them with cool-headed authority. This is no mere prisoner. Take him to King Minos at once and tell him that his Athenian challenger is none other than Aegeus' heir. 
Theseus kicked and punched at the guards and nearly overpowered them until Xenia took her bowl of gruel and bashed it into the back of Theseus's head. Theseus fell, and the guards dragged his half-conscious form away. The last thing he saw before darkness claimed him was Xenia, who just smiled and shrugged. Coming up, Theseus gets a tempting offer from King Minos. Hi listeners, it's Vanessa. If you haven't had a chance to check out the entertaining new podcast, Blind Dating, now's the time to binge what you've missed before catching all new episodes every Wednesday. In this Spotify original from Parcast, we're expanding the places you can meet your match with a twist you'll never see coming. Join host Tara Michelle as she introduces one hopeful single to two strangers in a voice-only call. Through a series of illuminating games and questions, the trio will get to know one another without the distraction of appearances. But once the cameras are turned on, is personality still enough for these strangers to fall for each other? Or will they say farewell? Connect with new episodes of Blind Dating every Wednesday. You can find and follow Blind Dating free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to the story. Once again, Theseus was in the dark. His head ached and he could barely open his eyes. Flashes of the past danced through his mind. The journey to Crete, the arena where King Minos flaunted the Minotaur's menace. A pretty girl who found out Theseus's identity as the heir to Athens' throne and sold him out. The memory of this betrayal was enough to rouse him. So Theseus opened his eyes to take in very different surroundings. Long ropes tied his arms to an ornate chair, which sat at the head of a banquet table bedecked with a sumptuous meal. A goblet of wine stood by his plate. Sitting across from him was King Minos. He chewed on fatty roast lamb before staring at Theseus with a bemused expression. Good evening. So, you're Aegeus's boy, eh? You don't look much like him. I favor my mother, Aethra of Treason. Who would be furious at this? Oh, forgive me if I forget to shudder. Oh, and do try the wine. I shall not. It is most likely poisoned. Poison is expensive, and prisoners are cheap. I wouldn't waste venom on you. Don't you want me dead? I should. But killing Aegeus' son in revenge for killing mine is a little too... tidy for my tastes. I'd rather torture him by making you my heir. What do you mean? You stand to inherit Athens, which crumbles under Aegeus. A pitiful birthright, in my opinion. I, on the other hand, have no male successor. But I do have a pretty daughter who is ripe for marriage. 
we could unite our kingdoms. And when Athens falls under my rule, I'll be much less inclined to torture its citizens. No, the only Athens I will inherit is a free Athens. You're only saying that because you haven't seen what I'm offering. Ariadne! The doors opened and Theseus's mouth dropped open when the frightened prisoner he knew as Xenia sauntered in. But now she was in a sheer, shimmering purple dress, her dark hair in ringlets down her back. She curtsied to Theseus. You've met my little spy under less pleasant circumstances. But now, let's make it official. Theseus of Athens, meet Ariadne of Crete your future bride. Her? I'd sooner marry the Minotaur. See, father, I told you this wouldn't work. Then make it work, Ariadne, or I'll put you on a leash like your mother. Minos walked out. When the king shut the door, Theseus and Princess Ariadne were alone. Ariadne knew what she had to do, so she took a deep breath. She swung her hips as she walked to Theseus, a hungry look in her eyes. Theseus felt helpless as she sat in his lap. He could not deny that he was attracted to her, so he closed his eyes tight and strained to look away. Of course, my father finally offers me to someone halfway handsome, and you're repulsed by my presence. Eros, the love god, has it out for me, I swear. Theseus felt her weight lift from his lap and opened his eyes. Ariadne threw herself into the chair beside him. Her body language was different now, more like a weary soldier than a charming seductress. She took his wine goblet and drained it in a single gulp, then wiped her lips on her dress. You really should take my father's offer. Most men would kill to marry me. I am not most men. No, you're far dimmer. Why turn down the chance to rule two kingdoms? If I agree to this marriage, would Minos spare the tributes? (laughs) Not this year's crop. He promised our citizens bloodshed, so blood will be shed. But marry me, and there's hope for next year. I refuse. I promised Leos and the others that I would save their lives. Stop being so noble. Peasants are disposable. No one is disposable. Maybe you'd understand that if you weren't raised by a villain who sold your body like cattle. Don't you think I know what my father does is wrong? You are no different. Why else would you deceive me like you did? Because I'm trapped. Trapped by my father's obsession with my dead brother. Trapped by my mother's sadness. And trapped within myself. I felt more free as a fake prisoner than I do as a real princess. If you married me, at least my father would leave me alone. I'd clap if my hands weren't tied. That was quite a performance. But the last time I let your tears melt my heart, you bashed a bowl over my head. Then go and die, like the honorable idiot you are. I'd make a terrible wife anyway. I'd probably poison you on our wedding night. Ariadne grabbed the wineskin from the table, took a long drink, and let out a defeated sigh. Theseus considered this unconventional princess. 
He usually trusted his first impressions, but with Ariadne, he felt the need to dig deeper. Perhaps I'm wrong, but I think you need me more than I need you. Clever insight for a lummox. Thank you. Here is my counteroffer. If you help me defeat the Minotaur and escape Crete, I'll take you away with me. You'll be free. That's very kind. Kinder than anyone else has been. But I can't help. The Minotaur has no weaknesses. Even my father is terrified of him. Then retrieve my father's sword so I can kill it. It's on my ship. I'm not allowed near the docks after my last little escape attempt. But perhaps I can smuggle you one of my father's daggers? A puny dagger? It's almost like you don't want to redeem yourself. It's hard to think that's actually possible, all right. I, I might be able to help you navigate the labyrinth. That's supposed to be Leos's duty, but I'm listening. When I was a little girl, I was desperate to see the maze for myself. So I went to Daedalus, the inventor who built the labyrinth. He was from Athens, too. I like that he's from Athens, but I don't see what your point is. Daedalus led me through the maze, and in his hand was a ball of golden thread. He tied it to a stone at the entrance, then unfurled it as we went along. The thread was enchanted and couldn't be cut by the maze's sharp corners or the minotaur's teeth. All we had to do to find our way out was to follow the thread back. I see. You're trying to trick me with another story. I'm not. Try to rip the ties that bind you. They're made of the same thread. Theseus realized that the bonds tying him to the chair were made up of hundreds of golden threads. Though he pulled and strained at them, he could not break free. Then get me more of this thread. I need enough to get me through the maze. Uh, I'll sneak into Daedalus's old workshop and look, but I can't promise I'll find any. What if I just untied you now and we escaped? I am not leaving without my friends. So find a way to get me a ball of thread before tomorrow or stay trapped here until you become just like your father. Guards, I wish to be returned to my cell with my fellow tributes. The alarmed guards rushed in. Ariadne reluctantly told them to return Theseus to the dungeon. They dragged him out, but Theseus kept his eyes locked on Ariadne. His mind knew she couldn't be trusted, but his heart hoped he was wrong. The guards put a cowl over Theseus's head and led him back to his cell. He didn't mind the dark this time, for his eyes saw a hopeful future. He was eager to tell Leos and the tributes about the promise of Ariadne's assistance. But when the cowl was removed, Theseus was horrified to see that the tributes were dead. Their bodies were piled before him, dripping with blood and entrails. No! He turned to the guard in anger, but the man shut the cell and ran off. Theseus stood still, unable to rip his eyes from the sight of his murdered subjects. I tried to be a warrior. Theseus turned to see that Leos was still alive. He sat in the corner of the cell, his eyes wide, and his body splashed crimson with blood. 
You left us. The guards took you away, and the other tributes were terrified. They lost faith. I did not. You make it look so easy, Theseus. What do you mean? What happened? I am the warrior, and you are the warrior. I know this. But you were gone, so I had to become you. <laughs> I, I gave a speech. One like you give. Maybe even better. I rallied the troops, and we rebelled. We stormed the cell doors, but they drove us back in. Minos has so many guards, and there was so much blood. Thank the gods that they spared you. Not quite. Leos lifted his tunic to reveal a bloody gash in his side. Theseus was relieved to see the cut was relatively shallow. The deeper wound was to Leos's confidence. <sighs> I caught a glancing blow and fainted from the shock. They must have thought I died. I thought I was dead too. Until you came back. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, Leos, this is my fault. I shouldn't have told that girl who I was. I should have worried more. But I am proud of you. Now you'll have a battle scar, like a real champion. I'm no champion, and every breath is pain. What use will I be to you in the labyrinth, except as bait for the Minotaur? It's hopeless. Just let me die here. We're leaving Crete together, Leos. I'll find a solution. So you're the smart one now? I have to be, since you're the brave one now. <laughs> then we're doomed, unless the gods themselves intervene. Theseus! I think I've gone mad, Theseus. I'm hearing voices. Theseus craned his head to peer through a mid-sized crack in the stone ceiling. Through it, he could just barely make out a face. Ariadne? Here! Two items fell down through the crack, a dagger and a ball of golden thread. Theseus picked them up and looked to the ceiling with a smile. Leos pushed himself onto one arm, craning for a look at the objects. What is that, Theseus? This, Leos, this is hope. Up next, Theseus locks horns with the Minotaur. Now back to the story. At dawn, guards led Theseus and a delirious Leos out of the dungeon and into the brisk morning air. For once, they weren't wearing cowls. Perhaps Minos wanted his captives to witness the dark majesty of the labyrinth. It was a man-made dome, as tall as a hill, looming behind Minos's palace. There were no doors or windows on its craggy surface, only jeweled murals that depicted Minos triumphant in bloody battle. Minos, Ariadne, and dozens of guards waited by one such mural. Ariadne looked down at her feet, but Minos gave Theseus a devious smile. One last chance, Theseus. Let the beast feast on your friend and join our family. And let Leos have all the glory for killing the Minotaur? I wouldn't dream of it. Minos sighed and reached out to one of the jewels on the mural. He pressed it, and the rocks shifted beneath Theseus and Leos's feet. Ah! 
Theseus and Leos tumbled down a set of stone steps and the trap door closed. Leos cried out, holding his wound and wincing at the fresh blood on his fingers. Theseus stood and pulled the dagger and thread that Ariadne had given him from his robes. They were in a corridor, dimly lit by torches, but not so dim that he couldn't see the two paths at the end of the hall, or the bones littering the ground. Leos, get up. We have to move fast and find the Minotaur, before it finds us. Uh, my wound! It's reopened! I'm bleeding again. I don't have much time left, and walking will only shorten that time. Leave me here. I'll hold the thread while you kill the monster. I'll keep it taut, no matter how deep you go. No, the Minotaur will pick up the scent of your blood and come after you. Leos thought for a moment. Then he grabbed Theseus's dagger from his hand and dragged the blade across Theseus's arm until it drew blood. Theseus jerked away, agape with confusion, until Leos explained. You're stronger than me. Hopefully the scent of your blood is stronger too. Now go! Draw the Minotaur away from me. I'll hold the thread as long as I'm alive. Leos handed Theseus the dagger, and Theseus gave him the ball of golden thread. Leos diligently found the end of the string and handed it to Theseus. He unrolled it a little more, giving Theseus some slack. Theseus walked to the end of the hall. In his left hand was the dagger, and his right, the taut golden thread. He stopped for a moment, baffled at which of the two diverging halls to choose, left or right. There was no time for thought, so Theseus picked the left one and ran like the wind. The hall sloped down, then curved up into what felt like an endless circle. Theseus ran downstairs, then climbed a steep ramp, growing angry at how confounding this place was. True to Ariadne's word, the taut thread in his hand hadn't snapped on any of the sharp stone corners. But Theseus felt no closer to tracking down the Minotaur, and he couldn't stand the guessing game anymore. Minotaur! Come find me, you foul beast! Theseus heard a monstrous grunt, but he had no idea where it came from. He closed his eyes in frustration, then kept them closed. He realized that he'd spent the last few days under various cowls and hoods, relying on sounds to orient him. Perhaps he didn't need his sight. Theseus stumbled blindly through the labyrinth, following the sound and smell of the monster. It was actually easier to navigate without seeing the confusing twists and turns. The distant grunts grew closer and closer. So close, in fact, that Theseus realized they were coming from the same chamber he was in. He took a deep breath, braced to face his foe, and opened his eyes. (laughs) 
Theseus stood face to face with the Minotaur and felt the beast's foul breath against his own lips. The creature was Theseus's height, with the fully naked body of a muscular man. His head was that of a bull's, just like the rumors said, but the Minotaur's eyes were unsettlingly human. Theseus narrowed his eyes in primal fury, but the Minotaur just stared back with curiosity. His gaze traveled down Theseus's right arm, where he saw the blood that poured from his wound. The Minotaur's nostrils flared, and a string of drool dripped from his mouth. The beast was mesmerized by Theseus's blood. Theseus saw his opportunity. He slowly raised the dagger in his left hand, aiming to bring it down on the Minotaur's neck. But at the last second, the Minotaur snapped his head up and grabbed hold of the dagger with his sharp teeth. Theseus gasped when the Minotaur chewed the dagger up, then let out a beastly battle cry. Theseus and the Minotaur threw each other around the room, trading blow after blow, while Theseus kept a tight grip on the thread. He wanted to believe they were evenly matched, but he couldn't deny that the Minotaur was far stronger than him. He was probably even stronger than Heracles. Theseus managed to toss the beast into a corner and stumbled back to catch his breath. He raced forward to attack, but he tripped over the tangled golden thread in his hand, fell to the ground, and hit his head. Stars spun in his eyes, and behind them he saw the Minotaur rise. He felt certain the creature would be his undoing. The Minotaur pointed his fearsome horns down and charged, aiming for Theseus's throat. At the last second, Theseus rolled to the side and the Minotaur crashed to the ground. The Minotaur's mighty horns were lodged into the floor and he struggled to free himself. This was Theseus's lucky break. He had to act, but he wasn't sure how to kill the beast. He had no weapon and his fists were bloody and bruised. Then he realized he did have a weapon, the unbreakable thread. So he pulled hard on it, so hard he feared it would drag Leos all the way to him. With just enough slack, he wrapped the thread around the furious Minotaur's neck. The Minotaur choked and grunted as Theseus held tight. Then the beast ripped its horns out of the ground and threw himself back on top of Theseus. His horns jutted up and scraped Theseus's jugular, but Theseus held on to the thread anyway. He pulled with all his might until the thread sliced the beast's head off. Theseus whooped with joy and held the Minotaur's head high. It would make a fine trophy indeed. He bent down to pick up the end of the golden thread. He gave it a tug, hoping Leos would feel reassured, but the thread was no longer taut. Theseus pulled again, harder this time, but he felt no resistance, just more thread coming at him like there was no one on the other end at all. 
Theseus knew Leos wasn't holding the other end anymore. He was probably dead, and now Theseus was alone, with no idea how to find his way back. He wanted to blame Leos, but he knew the man had done his best. It was Theseus who hadn't moved fast enough. He choked back a sob at the thought of loyal Leos holding on to the thread in his last moments. He looked down at the wound on his hand where Leos had cut him. It had been a rude surprise earlier, but now he vowed to wear the scar with pride. Then he noticed the blood trickling from the wound onto the ground. He walked to the chamber's entrance and realized there were more blood droplets there too. Theseus looked down the hall and saw that he had unwittingly left a path of his own blood through the labyrinth, one he could trace back to freedom. Within minutes, Theseus found his way back to the entrance. His joy vanished when he saw Leos sprawled in a puddle of blood. Theseus feared the worst. But Leos was just getting some much-needed sleep. Theseus considered being angry, but then he just laughed. After everything Leos had been through, he was starting to suspect the peasant was actually immortal. Theseus looked up the stairs at the stone trap door that led to freedom. He wondered how he could burst through it, then heard Minos's voice outside. Shh, I hear movement. If those Athenians make it out, make sure to push them back in. Theseus knew he could take Minos. Maybe he could even fight off a few guards. But carrying Leos and the Minotaur's head, rescuing Ariadne, and getting to his ship safely? That would be a challenge, even for him. He looked down at the Minotaur's head. He didn't want to part with his trophy. But then he remembered something Ariadne had said. And that's when Theseus had his first genuinely brilliant idea. Ariadne stood by her father's side, as she'd done for hours. She'd heard screams and crashes from deep within the labyrinth and feared the worst. Her fears were confirmed when she heard pounding against the stone portal into the labyrinth. It shook the earth louder and louder. Then the Minotaur's horns burst through the stone. Minos stumbled back as the Minotaur climbed up the stairs and into the light. He was bloody and naked and had Leo slung over his back. Stay back, creature! Guards! Don't just stand there, attack him! But the guards were petrified. They were as scared of the beast as Minos was. After all, he had spent years building up the beast's reputation. The Minotaur knocked his horns into Minos's chest, hard enough to draw blood. The evil king fell onto the ground, begging for his own life. Please, I beg of you, take my daughter instead! She's young and fresh! 
Ariadne shot a horrified look at her father before the Minotaur charged. She tried to run, but the monster scooped her up, slung her over his shoulder, and lumbered away from the labyrinth. Father! Father, you worthless coward! Help me! He's not coming. You told me yourself he's terrified of the Minotaur. Ariadne realized her captor wasn't the Minotaur. It was Theseus wearing the Minotaur's head. Theseus? Yes. Forgive the nudity. I had to play the part. Can you guide me to the docks? I dug out the beast's eyes, but there's a lot of gore in here and I can't see much. Ariadne laughed. Then she guided her unlikely rescuer to his Athenian ship. Within minutes, they were on the water and they left Crete far behind. Hours later, they stopped on the Isle of Naxos. Leos's wound was infected, and Theseus knew he'd die before they got home. Ariadne claimed there were healers on the island, and after they docked, she brought them aboard. The healers prayed and applied a salve, then reassured Theseus that Leos would survive. Theseus watched Ariadne walk the healers off the ship. He couldn't wait to hug her when she got back on, maybe even kiss her. But when she stood still on the dock and looked up at Theseus with a pained expression, he realized Ariadne wasn't getting back on. You know, I truly think you'll make a wonderful king someday. Ariadne, come with me. I'd be honored to make you my queen. Theseus, I spent my whole life in a palace. It's not a life I'm eager to return to, at least not right now. I think we're even, so thank you and good luck. Ariadne blew Theseus a kiss. Then she turned and walked onto the island, grinning at the thought of all the trouble she could get into now that she was free. Later, Theseus looked off the prow of his ship. Athens was still a distant speck, but he felt his anxiety rising. His only consolation was the sight of Leos, making his way up from below deck. Leos, congratulations on not dying. Again, you're very good at that. <laughs> if I survived the labyrinth only to die of a flesh wound, my mother would kill me. Once again, my worries keep me alive. <laughs> One day I'll have to experiment with worry. It sounds invigorating. Are you sure you're not worried right now? What if I can't learn everything I need to know about being king before my father passes? Maybe all I'm good for is bashing heads in. Does Athens have other enemies? I could turn this ship around and find another quest. Theseus, you turned King Minos's conniving daughter into an ally. You inspired a scared peasant like me to become a battle-scarred champion. You make people better. You lift them up. And not just with your muscles. Is that really all it takes to be a king? No, but it's a stronger start than most get. I'll admit it, Leos. I'm afraid. As you should be. Politics is its own kind of quest, full of danger and intrigue, unlike any you've ever encountered. I do like danger and intrigue. Then what are you waiting for, Theseus? 
Your greatest adventure begins now. Theseus put an arm around Leos. The warrior and the warrior smiled as they looked out at the sea, a united team ready for any new challenge that awaited. Theseus would go on to become king of Athens, for his father Aegeus died soon after his return. Though it was not a role he was trained for, he was embraced by his people as a bold leader who fought for Athens' continued greatness. That doesn't mean his life of adventure ended. While he was king, Theseus still found time to battle centaurs, match wits with Hades in the underworld, and woo the Amazon queen, while building a reputation as heroic as his cousin Heracles. But unlike Heracles, who traveled from city to city as a wandering hero, Theseus made a choice. No matter how far he quested, he always returned to Athens. His gift was his ability to inspire and unite, a talent he honed in his adventure in Crete. He later used this gift to unify the towns around Athens, establishing his kingdom as a major power. Theseus solidified Athens' reign by giving a voice to each town under his domain. It was an early form of democracy, which is quite the achievement for a man who wasn't suited for politics at first. Theseus's journey from wild warrior to wise king stems from a shift in real Greek politics. In the 6th century BCE, Athenian ruler Solon attempted to introduce democracy, and so myths of Theseus's political ambitions suddenly became just as important as his quests. He was already an icon for his daring heroism, but to ancient Athenians, he ended up becoming an example of a progressive leader, too. The story of Theseus proves that no matter what your origin story is, respect and admiration can be yours, as long as your heart remains open to adventure. Thanks again for tuning in to Mythology. We'll be back Tuesday with a new episode. You can find more episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. If you enjoy Mythology, you'll love my other podcast, Tales. Tales presents fairy tales the way they were originally told, orally and unadulterated. Traditional fairy tales aren't exactly suitable for children, and every Wednesday, we dive into another dark classic tale. We'll be back next week with another epic story. Mythology is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Brian Golub. With production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Isabella Way. This episode of Mythology was written by Amin Osman, with writing assistance by Andrew Kelleher, fact-checking by Bennett Logan, and research by Adriana Gomez and Mickey Taylor. The amazing cast of voice actors includes Tom Bauer, Harris Markson, and Jen Wong. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Listeners, there's no better time than right now to open your heart to the hit Spotify original from Parcast, Blind Dating. 
every Wednesday. Find out if personality alone is enough to make a love connection. Follow Blind Dating, free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.